Hello again, everyone. I hope you've got your headphones in. I hope you're sitting comfortably. And I hope you enjoy another episode of the Voices from the Northeast podcast. Welcome to the podcast, people. Good evening, viewers. <laughs> you know, I was born in North East Colliery. I should have remembered that because my mother used to work for them. I'm champion to absolutely fine. She went flying over me pole into Bustelli. few weeks ago I was sitting chatting to Neil and he was telling me the most hilarious story about his Uncle Joe. So I gave him a quick call this morning and asked if I could pop back round with the microphone and get it onto tape. Tape? Aren't I showing my age? If I could go around and record it digitally. <laughs> so I did. And that's what tonight's episode is. A really great conversation with Neil about his Uncle Joe. Enjoy. Morning podcasters, Neil here. Now I'm going to tell you a story about my Uncle Joe. Not really my Uncle Joe, he was my granddad's brother. The time I remember meeting Uncle Joe, he'd already had his pit accident. The accident resulted in him losing two fingers on his right hand. So he only had his thumb, his first finger, and his little finger. And despite this, my Uncle Joe used to play the piano and the accordion. In fact, he had his own dance band in the days. It was called the Dalcom Rhythm Boys and uh, they toured really all the way around the northeast. Uh, they had uh, I think they had a three or four piece dance band uh, and despite having the loss of two fingers he still managed to play. He never ever learnt music. He could listen to a tune once and then he could sit and play it. Wow, that's pretty impressive isn't it? He was very impressive. All his family were musically inclined. Uh, his son Bob played the drums, uh, his son Nicky played the organ and of course that's followed in on with the family because uh, his grandson Robert played the organ. In fact Joe, my uncle Joe gave him some advice once he says make sure you learn to read music because hmm. he never had and he regretted it but Robert went on to read music and he's a yeah. Good, great, professional organist. Yeah. But actually, the, the, the brains behind Uncle Joe's uh, reign was actually his wife, Teeny. 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 Uh, now, I was talking to me, <laughs> my cousin Robert, and he was telling us that Teeny was the brains behind the organisation. He, um, my Uncle Joe said, he never actually got past fifth grade at school. All right. If you didn't make a grade, you got dropped back a year. Uh. So at the end of the school years, they should have left at seventh grade. The Uncle Joe never got past five. Oh dear me. 
His wife, however, Teeny, got to seventh grade and was actually good enough to go to grammar school, but her mum and dad couldn't afford to send her. So anyway, she was the brains behind the operation. And apparently, when the RAF came up to the area, Robert was telling me that um, they would get the uh, the dance band to play for the RAF. But Teeny insisted that they didn't get paid cash. They got paid in petrol. <laughs> Wise in, woman. In things you couldn't get. So the RAF, when they drove up to the, um, the base, the, the car was full of petrol and foodstuffs you couldn't Isn't get. Great. Isn't that great? So that's how yeah. it started. Now then, uh, yes, so the days of Uncle Joe, he was, apart from having the loss of two fingers, he was, I suppose you would now call it partially sighted. But Uncle Joe never let that put him off. He actually was the only guy I've ever known used to drive his van to the blind club for lunch. <laughs> Remember, of course, Paul, those were the days when there was only one set of traffic lights in Ashton, and that was at the Grand Corner. And they only used to change colour sequence about three times a day. <laughs> but yeah, Uncle Joe used to drive to the blind club for his lunch. Goodness me. And I remember we uh, we used to go a lot to his caravan at Cresswell. Saturdays were a great time. He would take myself, Robert, my brother, and my other cousin Terry, the whole gang of it, we'll go to the chip shop on Hawthorne Road. I think it was called Henderson's. Henderson's chip shop on Hawthorne Road, second Second Avenue, and he would treat us all to fish and chips. And from there, we would go him driving in the A55 van, all the kids in the back, no seat belts, of course, actually, <laughs> no seats. Oh, my goodness, no seats, no though. seats. The way we go down the Cresswell to what is Cresswell Towers, it's always been Cresswell Towers. Mm. And my uncle Joe had a caravan right on the front. Mm. Oh, it was absolutely lovely. And um, he would take it down there and would go crabbing. You used to use a cleat. A cleat is a long metal bar with a hook on the end. So you would put the cleat, they were normally about three feet long, and you would put the cleat into the hole in the rocks right. and grab the crab, and you could pull the crab out with a hook. But Uncle Joe didn't believe in using that. He used his own hook his right hand oh my goodness me minus his two fingers he lost his two fingers at the pit not going not for crabs so we would go to the rocks and despite being partially sighted off would go and he knew every hole where there was likely to be a crab in the rocks of Cresswell and I remember one day it was it was in the winter the sea was particularly rough and he took her out to the farthest point we could possibly get on the rocks. He says there's a great hole here lads for the, for the crab so we went and he stuck his arm into the crab hole. 
And those kids could see this wave building and building and it was clear that this wave was going to crash over the rocks right where Joe's kneeling down with his arms stuck up this crab wall. Us kids started to move backwards, step by step, very slowly at first, and shouting, uh, Over Joe, there's a big wave coming. Yeah, but I can feel it. It's a good one. It's a good sized crab. Yeah, Uncle Joe, but I will really feel as if you should get your arm out the hole and come away. By then, of course, we'd slowly step back, probably about 20 yards, and we're shouting at him, Joe, <laughs> this is going to be a big wave. You'd best come away. Too late. Push. The wave crashed over <clears throat> Now, how on earth he clung to the rocks when the wave went back, I have absolutely no idea. However, he did pull out one of the biggest crabs I've ever seen him catch <laughs> on the end of his three fingers. And the crab had a hold of one of his, one of his fingers. <laughs> so Bob went to the caravan to get dried off. That was another thing. Chips in the caravan. It, was, it always seemed to be in the window when we went to the caravan for some reason. Anyway, it was the days of... Uh, you only had a blue bottle, which was uh, butane gas. Oh. Nowadays, people use propane in the red bottles, but they used blue. Anyway, in the middle of winter, you were lucky to ignite it, let alone heat anything up. So you had this big panel lard on the cooker, set it away, after about an hour, it just managed to melt the lard. In went the chips. Another hour went by. Out came this congealed oh. mess, which Uncle Joe, because he couldn't see, thought he cooked the chips. Anyway, we sliced, we sliced the chips. <laughs> the most, <laughs> the most horrible looking stuff you've ever seen. But he thought he was doing the right thing. But of course, he couldn't see, so it didn't matter. A few years later, when I met Elle, my dear wife of 50 years now, I said, right now, we'll, we'll go and see my Uncle Joe, but be warned, he's got a funny hand. And the strange thing was, my Uncle Joe always used to shake hands, and he, he was never embarrassed by it. So he always presented his right uh -huh. hand. So Elna was warned, it's, it's like shaking hands with a, with a very strange thing. But anyway, she didn't mind, and that was it. So I says, um, now we've been invited. My Uncle Joe is going to, he's playing the, uh, the piano at the um, shoulder of mutton at Long Framlin. So he said, would you like to come up and listen to a play? So I says, oh yeah, that's fine. So on the night in question, it was particularly misty. So I says, don't worry. He knows his way, he's been doing it for years. And I says, in any case, he's blind. So the fact that it's misty really doesn't make a jot of difference because he cannot see. <laughs> and of course, then I thought I was joking. <laughs> Until she got in the van. And Robert was with work because he used to accompany his Uncle Joe. So off was set from Cresswell Terrace. And then we've got the first junction and Robert's given me Uncle Joe 
directions. Right, it's clear left and right, you can pull out in the way we went. And then I still thought, we're kidding. Until we came to the traffic lights. Uh, right, it's on green, it's on green, Joe, it's on, nope, it's changed to red, you best stop. Right, stop, stop, right, you're on the line, stop. And then she realised actually, who would Joe, and he was, he was partially sighted. <laughs> so off was set to Long Framlin. Got there, no problem at all. Joe knew the road, despite the fact he couldn't see it. <laughs> when we came out, it was even worse. So we thought, you know, really, you shouldn't be driving, Joe, yet we can't see the road. So Robert decided he would drive. And I think he was only. 15, 16, but he'd been driving for years. <laughs> An experienced driver at 16. An experienced driver. So anyway, we got back and it's safe and sound. So that was that was great. But yeah, I off to the off to the blind off to the blind club in the van for lunch. When we were older, he still kept getting requests for his band to play for weddings. So we went. We said right. He says, we need, uh, we need a five-piece band for this wedding. They insist on a five-piece band. And Joe says, well, we haven't quite got the musicians. So he says, Neil, he says, you can play the double bass. Well, I can't play a double bass. I says, Uncle Joe, I can't play a double bass. He says, well, it doesn't matter. He says, they'll be that drunk by the time we start playing. They'll never know. Just make it look as if you know what you're doing. So he he played he played the piano. Robert played the organ. My brother, who was actually quite a good drummer despite he'd had to train, he played the drums. My cousin Terry played the tambourine and something and, and maracas or something. I played the double bass. And the the thought were great. The thought were absolutely <laughs> fabulous, this band. And I, I got that carried away, of course. I'm, I'm sort of doing like Bill Hilly and things, and I'm standing on this double bass at an angle, and I'm twirling it round, <laughs> lying on my back to massive rounds of applause, because <laughs> the they were all drunk. And then after we finished the gig, my uncle Joe says, right, just take the double bass to the van, don't put it in the case, and then come back. So I did. Right, he says, two of you, lift up the case level and carry it out carefully to the van. When we got back to Crossville Terrace and unloaded the van, when we opened up the double bass case, it was full of cans of beer, bottles of beer, cakes, sandwiches. He <laughs> <laughs> must have had most of it away. <laughs> I love a good buffet. <laughs> and then, of course, that was the time he got... Um, he, he was he was in court. He was the black sheep of the family in some ways. He got caught. He was accused, rightly or wrongly, Paul, he was accused of stealing potatoes from potatoes. a farmer's field. Goodness. But anyway, he went to the magistrate's court and he said to the magistrates, Your worships, the farmer gave me permission to pick the field. That is, to go in after the taking the potatoes out, so if there was anything left, you could go and pick the field. 
the, ma the magistrate said, however, Mr. Tolkien, you picked the potatoes from the pile of potatoes the farmer had already gathered. <laughs> ah, right. Uh, have you anything else to say in your defence? He says, uh, yes, he says, uh, can I have me sacks back? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think he was fine five shillings, two half crowns in eight days. <laughs> Dear me. I think I, can I have me sacks back? <laughs> so that was, that was me uncle Joe, salt of the earth. <laughs> Neil's uncle Joe sounds like quite a character. I mean... Those stories just flowed from Neil so easily, so I had to get them recorded for, for the show and for everybody else to listen to. I mean, when we talk about capturing oral history, stories like that are absolutely perfect. I hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as I enjoyed recording it. Thank you again to all of you who are listening to the show and sharing it. If you've just listened to the show through something like Facebook or you're listening to it through the web... Please take a minute to share it with a friend or a group of friends or put it onto your Facebook timeline because the numbers are climbing really quickly for the people that are listening and it's just lovely to see so many people listening to the show. It's really nice. With that said, I'd love more people to get in touch with the show, even if it's just to tell me what you thought about an episode or um, if you've got an idea for the show, a story you'd like me to try and look into or somebody you think I should talk to get in touch and if you listen after this little intro there is a bit of information from me just to tell you how you can get in touch with the program you can get in touch with the show via email by sending an email to podcast northeast at gmail.com that's podcast northeast at gmail.com if you'd like to leave me a voice message, you can leave me a voice message for the show about any of the episodes we've covered. You can get in touch and tell me you've just finished listening to an episode and it's brought back certain memories. Or you could just leave me a message to tell me you've listened to the show and you're enjoying it. You can do that by going on the internet. If you use your phone, it's probably easiest to a website, which is anchor.fm forward slash voices from the northeast. And you'll see a little button for messages. Now, once again, that is anchor.fm forward slash voices from the northeast. You could also get in touch via Facebook. You can see any of our posts. Indeed, you probably clicked through from a post to listen to this episode. So please go back to that post. It's possibly and most probably in the Ashington Remembered Facebook page. So go back and tell me there what you think of the episode. Tell me what memories it's brought up or click through the link on there to leave us a message. Before you all go, I do want to point out that this year, for Series 3, I'm doing a Halloween special. And I'm really looking forward to this because I've spoken to some interesting people who have really cool things to share on the programme, and I think you're going to enjoy it a lot. And I'm even going to try and record a really interesting and very local story that is quite spooky, and I think you'll enjoy it. That should be a good listen. <laughs> so, tune in Halloween weekend. It'll be released then. Take care of yourselves. Until then, stay safe and well. 
thanks again for listening.